right, kids. Once again, I'm leaving the cabin. I guess I should make sure this is recording. It's raining pretty hard. I could have left a half hour ago or an hour ago when the thunder started up and it started getting overcast. But I didn't. I didn't want to leave. That's the thing that I really like about coming up here. And it's something that you'll hear all the time. I, I, I subscribe to it, certainly. Is always leave them wanting more. Leave before you outstay your welcome. It's better to spend too little time at a place than too much time there, etc., etc. But it certainly is the case here. And this year, I haven't come more than a day. Last year, there were a couple of times that I was here for two days, and I believe there was one time that I was here for three days. But this year so far, and holy smoke, the summer is almost over. Luckily, I come in the fall as well. I have come on Wednesday and left on Thursday every time I've visited. There have been a couple of times I've come on the weekends to work, but it's just on a Saturday, and then we leave that same day before it gets dark. Happening again in two days. But the lightning is quite impressive right now, even though it shouldn't get dark for another ooh, 70, 80 minutes. It's fairly dark. Uh, none of this is really necessary. I kind of wish I had not said it because I don't need any of this. So as it stands, the episode that you're listening to is just too short. It's only 29 minutes long, and so I keep trying to think of things to do to make it longer, and I'm unsuccessful so far. Yesterday, I recorded a Edgar Allan Poe story for the purpose of putting it in the episode to make the episode longer, but I just published an Edgar Allan Poe story, and I just, you know, I would like it to be like once a year that I do one of those, or once every other year. In fact, I think I've done two this year already because I did that one that he started before he died and never completed. That's only like a page long. Anyhow, I'll have to wait on Poe's story I recorded yesterday. And I had a sketch that I wrote, started it last year, and then somehow I, I lost it. What I think happened was I wrote it on my mom's computer. Sometimes I use hers because it's just convenient, you know, I'm over there and her computer is very fast and almost nobody ever uses it. So I, I, I always have first dibs. It's, it's fine. I remember writing this sketch last year in 2020, but then when I went looking on my mom's computer, it wasn't there. And a lot of times what I will do is I'll just copy something into the body of an email and then email it to myself. But I hadn't done that. I looked at the the folder, the documents folder, you know, where you would save a document and there was nothing there. So, so it was just gone. But I'm still writing every single day. And so one day after I had gone hiking, I got out my laptop and I rewrote that sketch sort of how I remembered it. I hate going over things a second time. I hate it. It never feels as inspired as the first time. And you know why? Because it's not. You're not creating out of whole cloth, you're regurgitating, you're trying to repeat, you're trying to reenact. And that probably uses a different part of the brain, memory rather than creativity, and it's not pleasurable in the same way. And for me, your mileage may vary, of course. Do they say your mileage may vary in places where they're on the metric system, where they don't have miles? Your kilometrage may vary so I sat down and I recorded this sketch and I had written it for me and Renee Chambliss to present together because I like Renee. She's really, really talented. She's just got a wonderful voice. You know this. There's nothing you haven't heard already. But I always feel very... I feel like I'm taking advantage of her. I feel a little bit salacious. I, I have participated in some audio dramas and a couple of podcasts where I feel ill-used. The amount of work that they expect from me is excessive. I remember there being one time where 
I recorded a story for these guys and then I sent it to them and I didn't hear back for almost a year. I think it was like 10 months. And when I heard back, they said, hey, you didn't record the last page of the story. You just stopped. And I looked, I still had the file. I said, no, I recorded what you sent me. And they said, oh, okay, well, we forgot to send you the last page. Here you go. And I didn't have the recording set up. I didn't have the same recorder that I had when I started that story. But I did the best that I could and I sent it to them. And they said, this doesn't match. This doesn't sound the same. We need you to do it over again so it sounds the same. And they were right. It didn't sound the same. Sorry about the rain, the sound of the rain, rather. So what I did was I tried to replicate the atmosphere of the reading exactly as it had been before. And it wasn't exact, but it was close enough. And thank goodness I didn't just say, okay, well, I'll do the whole thing over again. Because that's probably the most sure way of making it all sound even. I sent it on to them and never heard from them again. But I, I thought, you know, I'm not going to work with these guys again. Well, there are other things like that where it's just too complicated the way that they would. The, the worst one was this podcast where they would want you to record two or three different takes of each line and then save each one as its own document and then number them. Woo! That is some rain, guys. Well, sorry, you just have to live with it. And then number them in accordance to which line it was in the script. And I, I understand that it helped them just put everything in numerical order and then edit it that way, certainly. But then they wanted like a zip file of all the stuff and saved my character's name and which episode it was. And it was so much more work than simply recording the lines, which I am usually very okay, happy to do. Anyway, because I had this experience, these experiences, I don't want to bother Renee with my little piddly stuff because she's a professional audiobook narrator. She does it for a living. Her dulcet tones are worth cash. Sorry guys, the, the visibility is so low. I don't feel comfortable talking and driving at the same time. It's really coming down. Until it stops, right? But Renee is our friend, my friend, she has made it clear many times that she's okay to do whatever I ask her to do. And those are words that you always want to hear from a woman. Uh, sorry. Anyway, I feel the way that I feel. I, I don't want to put her out. So I sat down and I recorded the sketch by myself doing both of the parts. And it didn't work. Part of it is that the male character refers to the female character as ma'am female character talks about her husband. I'm pretty good at distinguishing voices and, you know, making them sound separate. And uh, it wouldn't be confusing for you guys. It just would be so much better with Renee. And so I'll write her an email and ask if she'll do the lines. So then what should I do? I was thinking. I have a book that I keep in my suitcase, sort of like my emergency book. And if I was ever stuck somewhere where I had my suitcase and there was no Wi-Fi or anything to entertain me, I have this book full of short stories that I picked up at a thrift store years ago. And every once in a while, I will find a story in there and I will either narrate it or I'll just read it to myself. There was that Richard Matheson story deadline that I put out this year or last year. It was from that book. And I sat down this morning and I read two stories from it, hoping that one of them would be good enough to be the thing that you're listening to right now. And one, unfortunately, it was, it telegraphed the ending almost from the very beginning to the point where I thought, well, something else is coming. 
they deliberately made you think that one thing is going to happen at the end so that we'll be surprised when something else happens. But no, it was the thing that they telegraphed. And so I just felt like, oh, that's not really worth our time. The second story that I read was super, super English. And it was from long enough ago that, it, you know, A, it's public domain. But two, it like all of the juicy stuff happened off screen, if you know what I mean. It was written long enough ago that they didn't want to be too graphic about murder and stuff. And, and so it, it, was, it, was, it was super, super talky. And I did the English accents. And I think that that was fine. But it, ultimately, it's just, I, again, sitting down and recording the story and then editing the story and then putting it out is, takes a real commitment. And I just didn't feel like doing that for this story. There are other stories in the book, and we'll uh, see if eventually I get to some of them. I'll bet I will. What I did today was I looked through the table of contents, and oh, there was a third story. The third story that I read was by Winston Churchill, and it seems like I remember reading somewhere that he wrote fiction before he got into politics, but he wasn't very successful, or he thought that he wasn't very good. And I had never read anything like that. And I thought it was, it was fine. It was a little three-page story, four-page story. I probably should have presented it because, it, you know, it, it would have killed seven, eight minutes. And then I could have talked about how much I admire Churchill. And uh, I didn't think to do that. So, but what I had done was I, I looked at the table of contents and I sort of made a mental list of the authors I had heard of versus the ones that I hadn't, and the vast majority I had not heard of. Uh, let's say that there were 40 stories in the book. There were like 8 to 10 that I had heard of the author, Matheson being one, John Wyndham being one, Arthur Conan Doyle, H.P. Lovecraft, Churchill, Edgar Allan Poe, uh, Algernon Blackwood, a couple others like that. And there was a story by M.R. James, and maybe I should have done that because I just discovered M.R. James this year. The reason I didn't do that story was because it was long. And I thought, well, if I don't like it, you know, I, I, I will, will have misspent my time because if it's a two or three page story and I don't like it, well, that's all right. I, I, I wasted 15 minutes, but like a full hour that's a long time. M.R. James, I find to be very, 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 very dry and very, very, very British. I hope those were the same numbers of varies. He's got a story called Whistle and I'll Come for You. And I, I had never heard of that story before 2021. But Stephen King mentioned it in his story... Mr. Harrigan's phone. And then about a week later or two weeks later, I was listening to an audiobook, And it also mentioned Whistle and I'll Come For You by M.R. James. And I just thought, well, this can't be a coincidence that in the same month, two different books have mentioned this same author, the same story. Uh, and so I sought it out. And because it's in the public domain, there are tons of readings of it out there on like LibriVox and on YouTube. Anybody can do it if they want to. In fact, on YouTube, there was a BBC short film adaptation of it that I watched. And the thing is, it's all about atmosphere. It's a story where you're just like, oh, that was creepy. But not a lot actually happens. It's just unsettling. And I just did not feel like I could do that justice. Plus, there's the whole, it's a British author, takes place in Great Britain. Is that for me to do? Would it sound strange with me doing? Uh, anyhow, M.R. James is famous for writing a story called Casting the Runes. Well, I, <laughs> when I say famous, I had not heard of the guy. 
And I had not heard of Casting the Runes, but it was made into a movie in the early 60s. And that's one that I have considered recording as well. I could have done it today. I chose not to because it was too long. I, yeah, I just, I let you guys down on that. I'm sorry. I didn't even get any writing done today. Like, I don't know. I don't know! Less than a hundred words, I would think. And I didn't get, well, I, I did all right yesterday. I've been writing this novel-length Lara and the Witch story, and I'm very close to the end, and I still don't know how I'm going to end it. And that is... Interesting. Basically, the idea of the story is that Lara goes to another school because the witches' council has heard that there is a student that seems to be practicing witchcraft there, but in a less than subtle way. It actually is not a very good idea for a story. But I just wanted to give Lara a fun undercover mission and didn't really know where it was going, but that's 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 what I wrote. And it takes place when she's 18 or just about to become 18. She's a senior in high school. It's the oldest that we've ever seen, Lara. She meets this boy and they have a connection, not necessarily a romantic connection, but just a connection between the two of them. And I've come up with other little things, side plots and details to entertain me. I, I had her make a friend. I had her staying with this couple, this older couple, and there's something not right with them. I'm really enjoying going from A plot to B plot to C plot, then back to A. Although, you know, I think mostly I go A plot to B plot to A plot to C plot, to, you know. And I'm really close to where I need to end it but I don't know how I'm going to end it. And I don't know. it's really just a question of, is this character, is Devon Archibald, the boy that she connects with, is he redeemable or not? And when I first envisioned him, I kind of came up with this idea that, that he would be based on me if I had you know, an unbelievable amount of power. And how would I use that power? And would I be responsible with it? Would I be a villain? And as I have had them interact, I've really softened toward Devon. Partly because I understand where he's coming from. I understand who he is and why he does what he does. And I don't want him to be irredeemable. But if this were just a character that was in no way based on me, if he were just an invented character, he would be the villain of the piece. And I feel like the story is stronger if Lara tries to get through to him and fails. I just don't want her to fail. I want this guy to be all right. Part of me wants these two to like hook up and she takes him under her wing and says, you know, the things that you're going through right now, I went through. Writing is an enjoyable, artistic outlet. And because a lot of times I write horror stories, I enjoyed the process of putting characters in a bad situation and saying, you know, I hope that they make it out. Okay. But they might not. And this is sort of like that same, same thing. A lot of times when I'm at the cabin, I will hear sounds that are unusual or disturbing, and my imagination takes them and has a good time with them. Something that I've done the last couple of times that I've gone there is that I've gone out on the upper deck. There's a balcony there, and I've looked down into the night and up into the stars, I'm up there where the tops of the trees are and you can see the sky. You can also see down below where the ground is. And I enjoy being out there and just like listening to the night, looking at the stars, feeling the breeze and just imagining 
either that I'm not alone up there or something creepy like you look down and there's somebody standing down there in the dark. They're looking up at you and just like, who is that? What is that? Why would there be somebody standing down there? That kind of stuff is endlessly interesting to me. It's one of those things that just pops into my head over and over and over again when I go to the cabin. The very first couple of times that I went to the cabin by myself, I would freak myself out with the thought of going out into the living room and looking upstairs and there's somebody standing up there. There's, there's this one perfect spot downstairs where if you stand just right and look up to the upper level, you can see the mirror that is up there. And what if someone was reflected in that mirror that you shouldn't be able to see? They're hiding or you know they're just out of sight. I thought that today. Yeah, and, and the idea of somebody peeking in the window is frightening to me. You've heard me talk about the sound that the moths make as they fly against the glass. Trying to get in when I'm typing something or reading something, they're outside, and sometimes that tapping can sound like a finger of somebody trying to get your attention. And how terrifying would that be? It's, it's wonderful. I, the, the creepiest image that I got, I remember, I think it was two years ago, but I was sitting on the couch and I looked up at the railing to upstairs and I imagined somebody crouching down, peering at me from between the railing, like a, a emaciated child or something like that. The, the, the image that came to my head then was the 1984 version of A Christmas Carol where the ghost of Christmas present has two wolvish children underneath his robe and they are want and ignorance and they're super starving and feral and dressed in rags and that idea of something like that was once human but isn't anymore is lodged in my brain and it's just a, a fascinating idea to me. My buddy Ian had this idea of feral children that ran on all fours. They used their legs and their hands to propel them forward like baboons or something and he just he loved that visual. He would always talk about it. He wanted to make a movie like Zulu, but instead of it being natives that are the peril, it was like aliens or mutated children or something like that. He and I both had this fascination with evil children, feral children. I rarely talk to Ian anymore, but he was a good guy. A shame that he had to be eaten by his own children the way he was. It's not just like spectral, terrifying visions that come to my head, though. Many, many times this summer, I have been outside, you know, when the sun is setting, you know, I'm always alone. I considered bringing my mom's dog up one time just, just to see, you know, so I'd have somebody to talk to other than myself, but I've never done it. But it's not always, you know, wouldn't it be terrifying if... Sometimes I've had the idea of, you know, you're walking back to the cabin and, and it's getting dark and you look and there's a woman standing in the forest, you know. There, there are definitely like sexual fantasy type scenarios that could play out with that. But also just the idea of, you know, who is this woman? What is this woman? You know. The devil doth have the power to take on a pleasing shape, uh, I believe Shakespeare wrote. And that kind of thing, too, of, you know, a siren trying to draw you out into the woods. That is really interesting to me. That, that, that's fun. I like coming up with different possibilities. And because you can't write at all, I'll probably never write, you know, a story about a, an emaciated child looking down from between the rails up there. As much as I'd like to, it's just it's a, a great visual. But I wrote that story, Rest Stop, about the guy who pulls his truck over and there's a woman that sort of tries to get him to follow her out into the woods. 
So, you know, I could say I've already written that idea. Although, boy, I, d I remember reading about Odysseus and that idea of the sirens and, and the men were just, oh, they were so beautiful and listened to their song and they, they wanted to go to them, you know, they, even though they would surely be dashed against the rocks. I don't know that we have a lot of stories of a being like that. The, the salt vampire in The Man Trap, which I believe was the first episode of Star Trek that aired, she was like that. She could appear as what you desired. I think. Whatever it took to lure a man out there so that she could take his salt. <laughs> a lot of people say that that's a bad episode. I love that episode. There are stories about stuff like that. And I remember there being a horror story. I almost want to say that Roger Corman produced it about these fishermen that catch a beautiful, like, myrrh girl. And... You know, she's a sad, pathetic thing. She's been pulled up by their nets, but she's also malevolent and she has the ability to lure men and kill them. I really like that idea. I, I should look and see what that was called. And I remember in the early 2000s, there was a Peter Pan adaptation where the mermaids were terrifying. You know, it was a movie made for kids, but, yeah, that mermaid scene would guarantee that no kids slept that night. I feel like there might have been mermaids in the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean. That is an idea for a story that I should write. I like the idea of a bunch of soldiers on an outpost and something out there is drawing them one by one. I guess it's similar to uh, From Another World that I wrote as an audio drama and Big Anklevich adapted. I think we ran it on the Doomsday. But not exactly the same, because that alien, even though it was the same kind of thing, it could take on human appearance, but it wasn't a siren mermaid kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I just, I need to remember to do that sometime. That's fun. Boy, I've talked for a long time. I, I, I apologize if this is just a boring ramble. I've been doing this so long, uh, you know, podcasting, that I feel like, well, I can hold an audience's attention. I can be interesting about any number of subjects, but that may not be true. I feel like I would have a heck of a lot more Patreon supporters if I were that good of an orator, of a storyteller. Okay, is this better? Not sure these are optimal recording circumstances. But what is, right? Hey folks, this is Rich Outfield. This is going to be another one of the Frankensteinian amalgam episodes where I, uh, I stick together different recording sessions. I had an episode a couple of weeks back that was short. I didn't know what to do about it, and so I sat down and I just started to muse as I was driving and didn't end up using any of it. So if there's anything worth using, I'll use it in this episode. But before we get to that, do you remember a year or two back, I did a, a little sketch. I believe I called it Overlogin or Over... Oh, see, I can't remember now. I never actually said the name of the sketch in the episode. But uh, it was about a guy who comes into a cafe, no, it was a bar, I think, complaining about Kenny Loggins. And I don't know if anybody remembers it. It's okay if you don't. It, it, it was a slight thing. I don't know. I don't know. But I enjoyed doing it. And I especially enjoyed doing the voice of, like, the conspiracy theorist. He was a, like an ex-con who had gone to prison for what he did to somebody who played Kenny Loggins. I think that's what it was. <laughs> anyway, last year I wrote a sort of a semi-sequel to that about Brian Adams. Then I lost it. I had written it at my mom's place on her computer, and I don't know what happened to it. I may have meant 
to email it to myself and I never did, or it's possible that I just had it in an open document and didn't save it, which I have been guilty of plenty of times. But 2021 came along and I'm trying to remember what the circumstance was. I think I had gone on a hike and I heard a Brian Adams song and I thought, oh, remember that sketch that you wrote about Brian Adams? I ought to rewrite that. And I drove past a park, a public park, and I pulled over. I grabbed my laptop and sat on one of the benches and I rewrote the sketch as best as I remembered it. And as always happens on these things, when you rewrite rather than write, you're using a different part of your brain. It is a, a memory section of your brain rather than a creation section of your brain. And it's never quite as enjoyable. And sadly, it's never quite as good, I don't think. But I wrote it a second time. And then just last week, while I was still looking for something to pad out that episode that had run short, I remembered this sketch. And so I sat down, I was at the cabin by myself. And even though it was written for me and Renee Chambliss to do, I did both parts. I did the waitress and the guy. But about halfway through the recording, I said, this isn't working. It really has to be somebody else talking to me. It has to be Renee. And so I paused while I was recording and wrote an email to Renee, which I couldn't send because I was up in the mountains. But I wrote an email asking if she wouldn't mind doing the voice. And you've heard this all before. I, I always feel so guilty about Renee. She is really the only person I know who is better at audio than I am. You know, she is the master and I am the apprentice. And you, you know what her voice sounds like. It sounds the way that Irish spring soap smells. And she is a professional audiobook narrator in a lot of demand. She always has something new on her plate. I've talked to her multiple times about it, and it just, she doesn't sound stressed, but she sounds supremely busy. And the last time that I talked to her, she was talking about how fast she has to churn these suckers out, that she has gotten good enough that she will fix her errors as she's recording, then just goes on to the end of the audiobook, and she doesn't have to listen to it again to make sure everything's all right. She doesn't have to make changes. She doesn't have to edit. She doesn't have to do audio effects. She just sends it in. Now, I don't know if she sends it in to a producer or a editor or an agent or somebody that might make little adjustments here but she just sends it in and she doesn't see it again and that's it now it's on to the next one and to me that sounds both wonderful and terrible and i asked her i said renee what if there's a line that doesn't come out right what if you said the wrong word and you didn't realize it and only in listening you would you realize or you know what if there was a, a mistake in the text that you didn't catch, but you would have caught if you, and she said, well, yeah, those things slip through, I'm sure, but I just don't have the time to make everything absolutely perfect. And that was really an eye-opening conversation that I had with her. I know that if I were doing these things the way that Renee does them, that my output would be considerably greater. Unfortunately, I am such a perfectionist that if you've ever listened to the raw audio of one of my recordings, sometimes I will read a line four, five, six, seven, eight times over and over again trying to get it right. It doesn't sound right in my head. So Lara unwrapped the branch, chanted a few Latin words she had written in, chanted a few Latin words she had written on a notebook page. Uh, I'm going to say words of Latin. 
chanted a few words of Latin she had written on a notebook page, and pointed the skin through the space, and pointed the stick through the fence, and pointed the stick through the fence that surrounded the Praisden pool area like it was a pistol. And sometimes I will rewrite a line every once in a while when it's somebody else's story or book. I will rewrite a line because it just doesn't sound right. You know, part of me says, wouldn't it be better if you had more stuff coming out, more episodes coming out, and they were less filled with, I don't know. I don't know. Are you out of your mind? That kind of thing. But I am what I am, as the great prophet Popeye taught us. And I like the way that my audiobooks sound, and it just breaks me up when I hear a mistake get through, an error get through, and I know that they do. And I think Renee, even though she is a professional, doesn't let that get to her the way that it gets to me. And that's quite interesting, I think. So anyhow, when I got back to Civilization last week, I sent her that email, I sent her the sketch, she sent me an email back and she said she couldn't get to it for a couple of days. Is that all right? And I didn't reply to that. And then a few days after that, she said, you know, I didn't do your sketch because I didn't hear back from you. Do you still want me to do it? And of course I wanted her to do it. And time was not of the essence. I, just whenever she gets around to it. My relationship with Renee is so weird. Because I really am in awe of her abilities. And I consider her a friend. And whenever we talk, I go, wow, this is great. I should talk to her more. But at the same time, I always feel like I'm putting her out. I always feel like I'm taking up what little free time she has. It is, I guess, the opposite of how I am with Big Anklevich, where every time I call, I expect him to drop everything and give me his full attention. And when he doesn't, I'm just like, oh, phew, who does he think he is? Come, lovey, let's go to the other side of the lagoon. And I recognize that that's probably not cool the way that, that I am. But there's a lot of things that are not cool about me. I'm going to go ahead and let you listen to this sketch called Adams at Large and I mean, in for a penny, in for a pound, you're already committed to listen to it, but it, uh, it's not going to change your life. It might not even make you laugh. It's just something that I wrote that amused me in the moment, not so much in the rewrite, but hey, at least you get to hear the mellifluous tones of Dr. Renee Chambliss. Brian Adams at large. Good evening, stranger. Evening, miss. Cup of coffee? Sure. Let me take a look at the menu for a minute. Here you go. Nice place you have here. Thank you. Just me and my husband. Was my daddy's before that. Well, I sure like the small town feel of the plate. Sir? You alright? Uh, yeah, I suppose. Can I get you anything? Steak and potatoes, maybe a piece of pie? You could do me a favor, if you don't mind, and turn off this song. What song? Oh, the Ryan Adams, that song? Ma'am, Ryan Adams is an indie rocker from North Carolina. Known for that wonderful Come Pick Me Up song and becoming famous due to the 9-11 attacks. What you're listening to is Brian Adams from Ontario, Canada. This would be his 1986 hit, Summer of 69. 
Right, right. Brian Adams. You don't like it? I know the title can be misleading, but he's talking about 1969. Not the other thing. I'm familiar with the song, ma'am. I just don't like listening to songs by murderers. Murderers? Wait, was he the guy who performed songs by Charles Manson? No, that was the Beach Boys. And it's debatable whether they ever collaborated with Manson or if he just wanted them to. No, Brian Adams is little known to the public at large. A serial murderer. You're kidding. Unfortunately, I am not. And I wish it was just that this song was played into the ground 30 years ago and is now two or three steps beyond irritating and actively unlistenable. But Brian Adams is responsible for at least seven unexplained disappearances across Alberta and southern Ottawa. Wait, are you a cop or something? FBI? Nah, just a dedicated music fan. Well, I'll turn it down. Don't know if I'll turn it off. Anything's appreciated, miss. How's the coffee? Just fine. Thank you. Can I ask you something? I know what you're going to ask, but go ahead. Really? What am I going to ask? If I'm a crazy person. Oh. I don't think so, ma'am. Brian Adams, on the other hand. Early on, there was a swath of disappearances in various towns that just happened to coincide with where Adams and his band happened to be touring. Later, though, he became more careful. I don't know if he kills less or, or now just picks people who will not be missed. Regardless, there are clues in the songs he put out, even in his first album. What kind of clues? Sometimes it's as simple as the song titles. Straight from the heart. The only thing that looks good on me. Those could mean anything. Can't stop this thing we've started. Yeah, I'm sure he'd like to stop. But the voices won't let him, will they? Please forgive me. <laughs> Tell it to the family, sicko. Hearts on fire. Bit gory, that one. Run to you isn't a confessional on the surface. But if you read the lyrics... He sang the Robin Hood song, right? That's right. Just rubbing our faces in it with that one. How so? I liked that song. Everybody did. The first thousand times. But if you look at it with a critical eye, don't tell me it's not worth dying for. You know it's true. Pretty chilling, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but everything I do, I do it for you. That's supposed to be a confession? It's supposed to be an unapologetic taunt to the authorities, both north and south of the international boundary. And at that, it succeeds. I'm not seeing it. That's because the man is subtle. If he sang, stop me before I kill again, he'd be no smarter than that guy in UB40 that went to the gas chamber. I don't remember hearing that. Well, that's all right. We're talking about Brian Adams here. You know, I really ought to start bussing some of those tables. No one's stopping you, ma'am. Right. But as long as you're here... I might as well go on. That's not what I was saying, but sure. Give me another example. Of a musician turned murderer? Well, there's Phil Spector, of course. But just among the members of the Mamas and the Papas... No, of Brian Adams' songs. Oh, sure, yeah. You know that song, There Will Never Be Another Tonight? Not for his victims, it won't. 
I don't know that one. How about waking up the neighbors? Now that was a private joke referring to why he acquired that private estate in Saskatoon, miles from the nearest house or possible witness. Wait, didn't he sing that heaven song? Nothing can change what you mean to me. There's lots that I can say, but just hold me now. Our love will light the way. Hey, you know that one pretty good. Almost suspiciously good. As a matter of fact, it played at my wedding. Well, you got me on that one. Pretty good song, even for him. I'm sorry, I think you ought to leave. If you aren't going to turn it off, I think I'd like to. How much for the coffee? No charge, just there's the door. I understand. It is a nice place, though. Thank you. Evening, ma'am. Wow, when you think you've heard it all. That was Summer of 69 by Brian Adams. And as part of our Two for Tuesday, here's another Adams track, Cuts Like a Knife. I don't suppose... Nah. Maybe I'll shut it off anyway. Well, there you go. Thank you for listening to that. When I was a boy, my brother really, really loved Brian Adams to the point where he like he bought all of his CDs or maybe they were tapes in those days. And I got to listen to them because just like his He-Man action figures, what was his was mine. And I got to know a ton of Brian Adams songs, but I, not that you needed to buy any of the albums. There are countless Brian Adams songs played on the radio over and over and over again. It's remarkable how overplayed the man still is today. And um, there's not really an origin to this story, this sketch, except for that I always like that stuff about this song is really about this. And I think the best example, the greatest of all examples is In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Now, surely you have heard the story behind In the Air Tonight. The very first time I heard about it, was in 1992, I had this friend Ben, and he was a couple years older than me, and he had experienced things that I had not experienced. Like the loving embrace of a good woman. And he was the one that told me about that song and what it was really about. And I gotta say, I could never listen to the song the same way again after that. It, it had this ominous tinge to it, you know, I take it back. The song has always been, been ominous. There's always been something really eerie and sinister about that song. But apparently it's not about it's not about Phil Collins having a childhood friend who drowned and there was a man who didn't do anything to save him and he invited him to a concert once he became famous and debuted the song there and dedicated it to him. Now, you know, I know that if you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. I've seen your face before, my friend, but I'm not sure you know who I am. But I was there and I saw what you did. I saw with my own two eyes. So you can wipe off that grin. I know where you've been. It's all been a pack of lies. I have no idea what that song could really be about. Let me only say that the lie is much better than whatever the truth is. But there are other songs like that, none as famous as that, but there are other songs over the years that get this. Oh, you know what that song is really about? Aura about them. (laughs) 
that's it. There's not, there's not much else to share. I appreciate you listening, and I super appreciate Renee sending that voice my way. And I've, I've written other sketches, and I have thought about asking her to record with me. Uh, so it, it may happen. We'll see. I really like the mystique that rises about certain songs, too. And maybe if you want to share in the comments songs that come to mind, songs where you had been told this is about this, if you listen carefully, did you know about this song that seems so benign but isn't, that sort of thing. Anyhow, thank you. And uh, let's move on with the countdown, as they used to say. Well, I'm going to let you go. I feel like I've wasted enough of your time. Thank you for all that you do. Uh, have a chalupa on me. Gather round. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. This burlap sack filled with squirming madness was produced under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 3.0 license. That sounds crazy too, I realize. But it means that you may download and copy the files free of charge, but they do not belong to you. Hence, you cannot charge for them or alter them for your own perfidious purposes. What's perfidious mean, Fakeshan? It means faithless, treacherous, deceitful. Wow, I'm impressed. Which you only know because you looked it up. Oh, well, not so impressed anymore. And I suggest you consider going to www.patreon.com forward slash Rish Outfield to support the show if you would like to encourage more of this madness. Good night. Maybe I'm just going to listen to some music for a minute and then I'll come back. Well, that's interesting. There's no music. Is it possible that rain can dampen a, uh, a radio signal? Okay, just a second. I've got to roll up that window. It, it is really hard. I fudge. I tried to do this while I was driving, and I can't do it even now while I'm parked. I would have killed some. Well, just myself. Oh my gosh. Wow, that it's just not built for for Chima, you know? Okay, are you still recording? Oh, I'm still recording. Oh, too.